You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to unveil our Week 9 Power Rankings. Visit with Andy Hart from Patriots.com Radio and take you around the league with NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with former linebacker and CBS analyst London Fletcher. London, thanks for taking the time. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. We're just talking about your old team and connecting to, to what the 49ers did yesterday, picking up Jimmy Garoppolo. So with San Francisco finding a quarterback, what do you think that means for Kirk Cousins in the offseason? Well, I mean, uh, possibly one less suitor. Um, but, that I mean, that's still yet to be determined. I think um, part of that may be just um, San Francisco protecting themselves in case Kirk really wanted a, you know, a type of deal that they – weren't willing to give him or, you know, if Washington was to maybe do something that most people wouldn't expect and put the uh, third franchise tag on tag on Kirk and, and um, you know, limit his uh, possibility of being moved. So uh, I think, I think San Francisco was, uh, you know, preemptive in that. And they also um, looking back, Kyle Shanahan has always been a fan of Jimmy Garoppolo. So he's, um, he was high on him when he came out and, you know, it makes sense uh, from that standpoint with them being able to, to go out and get the deal done with uh, New England. And they still, you know, there's not a lot of top quarterbacks at, at the uh, next year's draft. And, you know, hey, what it, now it opens up the opportunity, the possibility for them to maybe take uh, Shaquan Barkley, too. London, appreciate you coming on, bro. Um, talking about your old team in, in, in Washington, when you look at that defense, they always start off fast and tough and hard and you know, making tackles in the backfield for losses to sacks and, and breaking up plays in the secondary, but mainly up front. They seem like they play real strong in the first quarter and, and part of the second quarter, but seem like when it gets to the second half, they kind of fall off. They did it against Kansas City. Uh, we end up seeing it doing a few more games after that. Give me your take on why this team is not able, particularly this specifically on the defensive side, be able to play a little bit stronger and finish better. Yeah, I think um, some of it is maybe they, they're wearing down a little bit. I know um, I was at the game against the Cowboys last last week, and it, there were some momentum sh- uh, changes that took place in that in that ball game. You know, you think about the the blocked uh, field goal at the uh, at the end of the second quarter. That was a ten point swing where Washington kicking a um, you know really a chip shot field goal. Um, you know, Dallas was able to turn that into a touchdown. So that um, there's some injuries along the defensive line missing. You know. Um, uh, some of the guys that they're missing, Jonathan Allen, he's out. Um, they lost Mason Foster, another linebacker. He's out. Uh, Breland didn't play. They've had some injuries in the secondary. So, I mean, this this depth of this football team has really been being challenged. Um, you know, whether it's on the defensive line, linebacker, and the second secondary. So, those things uh, play a part. And uh, you know, young guys are having to step up and uh, produce producing uh, situations that they may not be accustomed to producing in. London Fletcher is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. London, you played for and you know Daniel Snyder. We know he's not reluctant to spend money. So listening to you closely, do you think there really is a possibility the Redskins could use the franchise tender on Kirk Cousins a third time, which would be unprecedented, and pay him over $30 million next year? I, I, don't, I don't think so, but I think the transition tag would be more likely they can transition to him at a, uh, I think a $28 million number, which isn't too far off what he's making this year. I think he's doing what he's making 24, 24 million this year, um, 28 million next year. I mean, that's not really that big of a difference. Um, you know, and now not only with the uh, transition, if you do the transition tag, that allows them to have an opportunity to let somebody else do the deal for them. You know, whether it's, I don't know, Cleveland, um, you know, you look at some of the other teams, whether it's the Buffalo, uh, some of the other teams that may need a quarterback around here uh, and next next year coming up, you know, Denver, that allows them to, hey, you go you go do the deal for Kirk, and we'll determine whether we want to match that offer or worst case scenario, they got him under contract for another year. London, with your other team you've you've played with, the one that you won a championship with, the Rams, uh, they're now in L.A. Of course, we all know. Uh, but how impressed are you to see that this team is actually playing where they're playing uh, on a level that was 
about as close as to what you guys did when you played because all the teams in between has been pretty average at best. So when you watch them offensively, they're doing what they want to do. The running backs are getting things done uh, with Todd Gurley, the quarterback, and and Jared Goff, he's playing outstanding. Receivers are playing their part in defense. They're doing a good job. So when you see this, um, what do you see from a team that's finding their way to win some football games? Yeah, I, I'll say it's um, – I, I thought they would be better just because I, I know um, Sean McVay, he was in Washington with me during that time, during my time there. So I know he's a good football coach, but to say the Rams – to say that I expected the Rams to be playing as well as they are this quick, this soon under uh, McVay, I, I – I'd be lying, uh, you know, just to you know, think about what he's been able to get out of um, Jared Goff. And, and, you know, I think they're the highest scoring offense in the NFL. I think they still Second, ho- yep. hold that uh, mm-hmm. right. They're still at the top and, and points scored. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's exciting times. Um, and then I think the hiring of Wade Phillips, that was a that was a major coup for Sean adding Wade Phillips to his, uh, to his staff because Wade has always been an excellent defensive coordinator. Everywhere he's gone and coordinated defenses, defenses they've always played well london we know the nfl is a tough business as a reporter going into nfl locker rooms you're dealing with grown adults trying to feed their families sean McVay is just 31 years old how do you think he's earned instant credibility with the rams beyond what he's doing on the sideline how is he connecting with his players well i think um regardless of your age if the if the players know and feel that you you know what you're talking about and the um, you're getting the results out of what you're coaching, then they can't help but buy in. And that's what uh, Sean does. You know, I watched uh, when I was on in Washington, the, the tight ends and the linebackers would be next to each other in practice. And when his group was out on the field, um, the offense, first-team offense, I listened to him coach up his guys. I'm like, man, this guy really knows what he's talking about. And, you know, obviously once he ele- got elevated to the offensive coordinator, and now as a head coach, I mean, he, it was evident early that the, the guy, the kid can, I mean, well, I'm going to call him, you know, he's not a kid. He can coach. The guy can coach. And regardless of their, his age, whether you're 31 or 41, 51, if you can coach, people are going to listen to you and your players will, will respond. London, do you see this team being able to win that division? Because right, right now they're at the top. Uh, we know Seattle just ended up getting Dwayne Brown uh, as the left tackle to help out that offense who's been struggling up front in Seattle. San Francisco, we know they're, they're, they're trying. They're going to start competing probably next year or year after. Uh, and in Arizona, I mean, they're just Arizona. So yeah. give me it's, your take. It's really on- not, as you look at it with the injury to Carson, uh, Carson Palmer, is really the Rams and Seattle uh, division to fight it out. Um, you know, Seattle was already able to beat beat the Rams uh, in, in L.A. too. So their next their next ball game will be in Seattle. So that's going to be an extremely difficult place to play with Seattle adding Dwayne Brown to that offensive line. And that was really, I guess you can say, the Achilles heel of, of the Seattle Seahawks uh, team with that offensive line. Now, you know, you add him to the mix in the way Russell Wilson's playing. I mean, you you would have to give uh, Seattle a slight edge because, you know, they've already beat, beat beaten the Rams and then the next time they play it will be in uh in Seattle. So if they win that ball game, it's almost like having, you know, a two and a half game lead in a sense. And um, you know, if they um if they were to come come down to it, they would have a half game lead, I guess, if they finished with the same record. So um, you know, it, it'll be tough. I would get a slight edge to Seattle. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber taking you around the league with London Fletcher. Check him out this Sunday, every Sunday. CBS Sports Network, that other pregame show, bright and early, 8 a.m. Eastern time. London, you play for the Bills. You know if I'm talking Buffalo, I'm going to mention they haven't made the playoffs since 1999. <laughs> Still, 5-2, and two, just added Kelvin Benjamin. Chance to pick up another win, potentially, on the road. The Jets tomorrow night at the Meadowlands. How much you buy in Buffalo? Man, I'll tell you what. How What a great job Sean McDermott has done for that team. Man. You know, um, one thing he's brought and instilled in that team is discipline and accountability, um, you know, professionalism, some of the things that were missing under Rex Ryan, um, you know, when he was there. I mean, you know, you just look at that team and they're they're just um they're clicking on all cylinders. Um, you know, very disciplined team. They play hard, offense is uh, producing, you know, you can run the ball, their defense is playing outstanding. I know people in Western New York are like, man, is this the year that this, <laughs> it's finally uh, the drought is finally uh, over? I, but they're going to hold out they, until it's all until it, it, 
week 17 and they know they're in the playoffs, they're, they're not going to, uh, they're not going to get too excited just yet. <laughs> I feel the same way for them, but they're definitely a, on a ride. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Keep going. You done? I'm sorry, bro. My no, 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 yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like Buffalo is definitely on the rise. Yeah. Um, a team that's on the rise, similar to a Buffalo, maybe not in the sense of what we see coach Frazier doing on that defense where they're creating a tremendous amount of turnovers and getting in the end zone, the offense for the Houston Texans with Deshaun Watson, a young rookie uh, to see him throw 19 touchdowns in seven games. I mean, putting up four over 400 yards last week uh, against Russell Wilson, who we know is one of our elite quarterbacks in the game. Give me your take on his future and how good he's been playing so far. Man, you talk about ending up in a great spot. And I thought that when, um, when he fell in the draft and, you know, Cleveland passed on him, and he was the third taken quarterback taken um, uh, behind. Uh, you know, you had Trubisky taken, and then Mahomes by uh, Kansas City. I thought um, Houston got got a great uh, great quarterback, and and really he ended up in the perfect spot because if you looked at Houston's team going into the season, one of the things they were missing, and the only the really the only thing they were missing was uh, adequate play at the quarterback uh, position. And I think Bill O'Brien has done a great job of instilling a lot of the uh, the plays that um, Watson ran in college, a lot of the college stuff, the zone, uh, zone read, and, and and those concepts, the play action off of those, uh, whether it's out of shotgun and things like that, that really he's comfortable with, and that's uh, you know led to him being able to have so much success early. And then you think about what he did against um, Alabama twice. <laughs> this guy, he he was the only quarterback who really shredded Alabama the way he shredded them. Um, he did that twice um, in in, in a championship game. So, you know, I, 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 it doesn't surprise me that he's playing well. I think, um, you know, he's only going to continue to get better. Um, that was an impressive performance that he put on out in Seattle this past weekend. London, last one for me. I watch your show every Sunday. I know it's produced at the CBS Broadcast Center in New York, and you got loud New Yorkers like me, Brandon Turney and Adam <laughs> Shine, talking about the Giants. So there's a lot of negatives, and the latest development, as you know, Janoris Jenkins suspended, won't play against the Rams. Fair to say or fair to wonder if Ben McAdoo has lost total control of this football team? I think it's it's fair to uh, wonder when you look at you know the McAdoo incident. There was a um, a situation with Rogers Cromarty, uh, Dominic Rogers Cromarty, a few weeks ago. Um, even even you trace back to last year and you know Odell Beckham Jr. Um, you know some of the things that um, he was saying the media um, in almost defiance to of his head coach. So you just like you know does does he really have the respect of that locker room? And only the guys truly know that are on that football team and, and maybe the situation with Janoris Jenkins, Jenkins is a little bit overblown. Um, you know, I don't know, maybe he just didn't have a maturity to pick up the phone and, you know, address whatever was going on with him not being able to be there and back in time. But I think it's a fair, fair statement. Um, and the, the, the Giants brass, they, they really know they, they, they're in there. They, they, they know what the locker room is like. They know if he still has the, uh, the players here. London, always a pleasure. Say hello to our friend Amy Trask. As I mentioned, I watch that show every Sunday. Very entertaining. Although, tell Cordell, because Cordell has to turn down the volume on this show. He claims I'm the loudest man in sports media. Adam Shine really projects. <laughs> Adam definitely is. Uh, he's, he's, he's definitely probably the loudest man on television. Thank you, London. Thank you. <laughs> and radio. He, he, he's, uh, you know, I think... Uh, Francesca and you know my Mad Dog and all those guys. Uh, you know Adam Adam Shine is uh, he's one of those guys. <laughs> all about passion and energy. Thank you, London. We'll chat yeah. with you soon. We appreciate your time. All right, thanks, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal exclusively on TuneIn Premium. From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game with live home calls as teams are threatening to score. Take it to block. Brady tosses. Touchdown. Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Is a touchdown. Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern, only on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. 
Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's take you around the league with NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport. Now it's time for NFL Network reporter Ian Rappaport. It's the rap sheet on the NFL on TuneIn. Ian, we have to start in Ohio. What can you tell us about the botched A.J. McCarron trade between the Bengals and the Browns? So here's my understanding. At 3:15, uh, the Browns turned down the Bengals' standing offer of a second-round pick and a third-round pick. At 3:54, the Browns came back and said, "Okay, fine, we'll do it." They then sent an email to the Bengals, giving their consent for the trade. The Bengals did not see the email. They basically lost the email. And then at 3:58 or 3:59. The Bengals called back and says we never said we never got anything. Brown said, actually, yeah, we sent it to you. The, at that point, the two sides scrambled to get it done. They were on the phone with the league office. Four o'clock struck, and the league office told them, you guys were not in time. How bad of a look is that for the Cleveland Browns? I mean, it's been bad for a very long time. I mean, they've gone through coaches, quarterbacks, organizations not playing good. What is Coach Hugh Jackson's record right now in Cleveland? What is one in 24, one in 25? Yeah, I mean, how bad can he get for this team? It's not good. And, you know, regardless of who's at fault here, and I, I think both teams are sort of, you know, behind the scenes pointing the finger at the other, trying to make sure that the other knows, that, that the public knows the other team was, was at fault. The bottom line is the Bengals still have A.J. McCarron, and the Browns don't. And if the Browns try to build their team and they try to get a viable quarterback on the roster, they try to get someone uh, who can stand behind center and just play and guide this team, they don't have that person. And the fact that it collapsed in this spectacular fashion uh, is something that will, you know, if, if anyone was looking to point the finger at the Browns and say, well, they're so Browns, uh, this is a pretty easy way to do it. Taking you around the league with Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Ian, you always do a great job of dissecting the legal complexities involving Ezekiel Elliott. Where do things stand now on the legal front? <laughs> I feel like we're almost to the end of it. Um, you know, obviously, Ezekiel Elliott. What's crazy here, first of all, the case hasn't even started. This really is all about whether or not he gets the injunction to put his suspension on hold while the case happens. So right now, he... Having lost in the in the uh, Southern District Court in New York, Zeke Elliott has appealed for an emergency injunction to the Second Circuit Court. So he is hoping that by Friday that everyone finds out whether or not he gets the emergency stay, the emergency injunction, to keep him on the field while the legal battle is fought in federal court. That is where we are now. And, you know, he still has maybe another legal option, but this is his probably re- last realistic attempt. Jimmy Garoppolo going to San Francisco. Only a trade was made with, for only the second-round pick. Uh, why wasn't there more given uh, for Jimmy Garoppolo? Or was this more of a buddy system because Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo, has the same agent? You know, they have that good relationship. And knowing that Bill Belichick, I think, should have done it much sooner uh, to give him a chance, but maybe because they botched it and it didn't work, they didn't want to give him that much money. Let's do him a favor and send a kid somewhere good as opposed to taking what the Cleveland Browns are going to give him. And look what happened with the Cleveland Browns. Lucky Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> well, I do think that Garoppolo had some say in where he went. So there's no way the Patriots were going to send him anywhere that he'd want to go because, you know, he will want to do a contract extension with that team. If it's somewhere he didn't want to go, then it just – doesn't work out like that. Uh, it just it just doesn't. So I think that's one thing. The other thing is the Patriots could have had a better deal. They could have had a second round pick and a third round pick from the Browns during the draft. But instead, they decided to keep Garoppolo as insurance against Tom Brady not being Tom Brady. And he showed up this year. He was great. No sign of drop off. This was literally the last time the Patriots could make a deal for him. Uh, so they decided, you know what, we're just going to get a second rounder now instead of a third-rounder when he leaves us in free agency. And Marty Herney, back with the Panthers as the interim GM, made the Kelvin Benjamin deal with Buffalo yesterday. How much longer is he going to have to be working under that interim tag, or are they still looking for another full-time GM? Uh, They may be looking for another full-time GM, but it's not going to be for a while. You know, Marty Herney basically is on a year contract. And, and of course, remember, he – 
you know, he got sort of appointed as the interim in basically the summer. So he's got through the draft. Uh, and, you know, look, if this turns it around, if the if it's addition by, subtra- by subtraction, getting Calvin Benjamin off the team, bringing in some other guys to, to really run and, and stretch the field, um, you know, what he's done has actually kind of been impressive. I wouldn't be surprised if they start winning some games if he uh, ends up keeping that job. Ian, great information as always. We'll chat with you on Sunday. NFL first and goal on TuneIn Premium. All right. Thanks, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Hi, this is Ned Coletti from MLB on TuneIn, inviting you to check out my new audio book, The Big Chair, today on TuneIn Premium. The day Frank McCourt made me the 10th general manager in the long, proud history of the Los Angeles Dodgers, November 15th, 2005 was monumental for the Coletti family. I've been blessed to spend the last 35 years in Major League Baseball, all with iconic franchises, the Cubs, the Giants, and the Dodgers, where I was a general manager for nine seasons. In the big chair, I let listeners in on the intricacies of being an executive and a GM of a major sports franchise, share the process behind the trades, free agency, and the deals, shedding some light on how the money and decision-making really works. I'll also take you deep inside some of the thought process behind some of the major decisions that led to success and titles, along with heartbreak and failure. If you're a baseball fan, come for the inside and grit. If you're a sports fan, stay for the heart. Catch every exciting chapter of my new audiobook, The Big Chair, today on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now it's time for Cordell and I to detail the five teams we are more than sure are better than the rest. It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always-changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. With our conversation with Ian Rappaport of NFL Network, less than 10 minutes away. Today, we will do it rapid fire, at least from this side of the program. At number five, the Buffalo Bills, five and two. They've added Kelvin Benjamin, taking on the Jets tomorrow. Gangrene is reeling. They've lost three straight. Buffalo's going to win that game, and they're going to continue their march to the playoffs and write it down. Buffalo will go to the postseason for the first time since 1999. The number four, Seattle Seahawks hosting Washington on Sunday. They're going to win that game, and they're going to go to 6-2. and two. Russell Wilson carried his football team in that game for the ages against Houston on Sunday. They bolstered the offensive line with Dwayne Brown. I know Earl Thomas is banged up. They won't need him Sunday beating the Redskins. Number three, the Patriots, 6-2. and two. They've won four straight. They've got the bye. Brian Hoyer now the backup to Tom Brady with Jimmy Garoppolo being sent to San Francisco. Defense improving. Have to move forward without Hightower, but they're the class of that division. Second best team in the AFC, second only to Pittsburgh. Got the Steelers at number two because their defense is better than New England and the emergence of, say it with me now, Juju Smith-Schuster. Lock it up. Lock up that bicycle. No one's going to swipe it again on his way to the end zone. Steelers have lost nothing with Martavis Bryant's petulant behavior, and they've won three consecutive games. At number one, Fly Eagle Fly, Philadelphia 7-1. They're going to beat up on Brock Osweiler and Denver, counting them down like Casey Kasem. Number five, Buffalo. Number four, Seattle. Number three, New England. Number two, Pittsburgh. Number one, Philadelphia. Back to you. I tell you what, I had two teams in my top five last week uh, that maybe a few people may have questioned, like Minnesota and the Rams, and they're staying in my top five. Matter of fact, they're moving on up. At number five, I'm going with the New England Patriots. I am taking Kansas City out of my top five. I had them third last week. I'm taking out of out of the top five because the New England Patriots are starting to play some really good football. They're playing sound on defense, something they've been needing to have for some times. Almost shut out the Atlanta Falcons. It came down to a great play by Julio Jones, taking the ball away from an underthrown ball by Matt Ryan, away from Malcolm Butler. 
But yet, you know what? They end up saving themselves from getting shut out. The offense has obviously been good for a very long time. No question about that. I'm going with the New England Patriots at number five. And at number four, I'm going with the Purple People Leaders. I am going with the Minnesota Vikings. This team is steadily finding a way to continue to play great football, whether it's Kendricks or Smith or whomever it may be. These guys are really playing well. And my guy, Case Keenum. Case Keenum is steady playing good. Whether it's McKinnon, whether it's Murray, whoever it may be in the backfield, whether it's Diggs, whether it's Thielen, or even Kyle Rudolph. These guys are really playing sound football. The injuries, the removal of an offensive coordinator. Uh, Coach Zimmer, knock on wood, he hasn't had, had the opportunity to go in the hospital yet for any severe or any issues with his eye. This team is really playing sound. They're healthy across the board. And also, Teddy Bridgewater is on the horizon of wondering if he's going to come off of the, PO, the PUP list to actually become active. So now this team is steadily getting strong. And when it comes down to where am I now? The Rams. I have them sitting at number three. Ram it. This team is still playing good football. I love what Sean McVay is doing with his offense. I think it's tremendous. They're the second highest scoring offense in the National Football League with 30.3 yards per game, uh, 30.3 points, excuse me, per game. This defense is sound. Wade Phillips, you have to assume they're going to get better as the year goes on. So I love where this Rams team is right now. Number one in that division, by the way. And number two, I'm going with the team that's black and yellow. Yellow, the Pennsylvania team. The one out there in Pittsburgh. Yeah, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm -hmm. As the late Myron Cope would say with the terrible towels swinging in the air. Can you see it, Brian? It's a heck of a visual because when they come to your town, wherever you are, you know they're in town because you see the terrible towels swinging. This week we had Juju, Juju Schuster, Juju Schuster. That's JS squared who got it done who was actually Offensive Player of the Week with seven receptions for 193 yards and one touchdown. And last but not least, E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles! Chris Long, Fletcher Cox. And also, when you look at this offense, led by number 11, the guy who I said was the best quarterback in last year's drafts, coming from North Dakota State, number 11. Smooth feet, quick feet, very active in the pocket. Carson Wentz and company, they just added... Jay Ajayi to the mix to help out LeGarrette Blunt in the backfield. This team is getting stronger as the year goes on. They're healthy across the board, playing good football. I like the Eagles at number one. So at five, I have the New England Patriots. This defense is getting much better. At number four, the Purple People leaders in Minnesota Vikings led by Case Keenum and Ramit. You got your guy in Jared Goff and company playing good. At number two, you have the black and yellow Juju Schuster. JS Square getting it done. AFC player, offense, actually offensive player of the week and also the E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles who just acquired Jay Ajayi at the number one spot led by that guy number 11 from North Dakota Go to state. Carson Wentz. Back to you. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Patriots fans, Tom Brady's first audiobook, The TB12 Method, How to Achieve a Lifetime of Sustained Peak Performance, is now playing on TuneIn Premium. As I was running through my typical football training regimen, I knew one thing for sure. I'd never thrown the ball as well as I did that day. In this deeply practical athlete's Bible, listen in as the five-time champion reveals his revolutionary approach to sustained peak performance that has helped him stay at the top of his game. My ability to sustain my peak performance over the past 10 years is almost unbelievable to me. Filled with lessons learned from Brady's personal training experience, the TB12 method also advocates for more effective approaches to cognitive fitness, nutrition, and other lifestyle choices that dramatically decrease the risk of injury while amplifying performance and quality of life. TB12 method focuses on developing and maintaining something that many people have probably never heard of muscle pliability catch the tb12 method how to achieve a lifetime of sustained peak performance by tom brady on TuneIn premium today welcome back to nfl no huddle the podcast here are your hosts brian weber and cordell stewart next up on nfl no huddle the podcast we spotlight the reigning champions from new england with andy hart of patriots.com radio Andy, we appreciate the time. So after all the trade talks surrounding Jimmy Garoppolo last year prior to the draft, why do you think the Patriots decided to trade him yesterday, and did you like the deal? Uh, I did not like the deal. Um, I don't think they maximized this asset. Um, I know there's some question as to what was available and could you get a number one pick, and were the Browns offering the 12th pick? 
Um, you know, Mary Kay Cabot has sort of been on that story, and I, I think there's a good chance you could have gotten a number one pick and probably the 12th pick from the Browns. But in general, we know if you trade during the offseason, you can get more in any sport. When you do it at the deadline, there's more limitations in terms of suitors available, how teams are made up at that point. There's a lot of different factors. Um, so I don't think a second-round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo in this sort of climate um, really got as much as you could have out of that asset. Now, in terms of the timing, I'm still stunned. Um, I don't really understand it, quite frankly. Um, you know, I had been told by people that, you know, they were considering the franchise tag. You know, they had sort of all along, dating back to the spring, thought if we need to, we can franchise tag him next winter, whether to keep him or to trade him in all likelihood, much the way they did with Matt Castle uh, back in the day. Um, 2009. So what has changed? You wanted him here as an insurance policy. You know, I had talked to a lot of people that said, you know, EB12 method be damned. Bill's been around this league a long time and he knows that people get old. He said it yesterday. It's year to year at this point with a guy like Tom Brady at 40. Well, that hasn't changed. So you're now rolling the dice over the second half of this season and beyond. Um, You know, Bill said the window, this was the last window they had to, to sort of do this. I just disagree with that. And, um, you know, he, he was very open saying it's very complex. I agree with that. And then he refused to answer any questions about the complexities. So we're all sort of left guessing. When you think about how, when you think about how Bill Belichick has gone about his trades, it's, it's never been as complimentary, I would say, as we heard it from him yesterday and saying how he's going to a good coach there in San Francisco and Kyle Shanahan. He respects everything about what he does, what he's done with the quarterbacks. He's in a good situation. We very rarely hear that. So you, do you think it, it, it's it's kind of a, a connection to Tom Brady and they both have the same agent and just a respect factor to where, as you alluded to, it didn't happen during the offseason, but it happened during the season and because they held him for so long and not give him a better chance to go where he wanted to, that they kind of gave him a, let's just say, a pass in a sense of how they normally handle trade situations. Certainly Bill Belichick likes Jimmy Garoppolo. He was very praiseful, you know, said great teammate, great person, good quarterback, good player, did everything they wanted him to do. He had a lot of great words for him. Um, that being said, if I'm Robert Kraft and I think he's doing Jimmy Garoppolo a favor more than looking out for the best interest of the New England Patriots, I'd be upset. And, you know, I also think a factor in here that's interesting is, is the Shanahan connection. Bill Belichick has a great relationship with Mike Shanahan, has a lot of respect for Mike Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan, you know, his son as a coach. So he, he's big into the football families. But, you know, that being said, if he didn't, you know, there's value in shipping him to the NFC, the other conference, because if he's as good as, you know, maybe Belichick thinks Jimmy Garoppolo can be, you might have to deal with him at some point. And it's certainly better to deal with him in the NFC and, and, you know, maybe in a Super Bowl is where you have to face off in a big game with him rather than, you know, in the regular season with regularity in the AFC or in the playoffs in the AFC to get to a Super Bowl. Um, I, I, I really do believe that Belichick likes Garoppolo, wants what's in the best interest of Garoppolo, but that has to come secondary to what he needs to do for the New England Patriots. And so I'm going to sort of take him at his word that this was the best available. But, you know, I thought John Lynch had the most telling comment last night in their introductory press conference when he said it took less than 10 minutes for them to decide to make this move. And this is a big deal. I mean, uh, the second round pick is probably going to be the 33rd or 34th pick in the draft. They're sort of anointing a guy, their franchise QB, and it only took them 10 minutes to decide or less than 10 minutes, that tells me they think they're getting a hell of a deal. And that tells me Bill Belichick didn't maximize this as much as he should have either in the spring or even now. We are chatting with Andy Hart, Patriots.com Radio, Patriots Football Weekly. Andy, let me get you back to the win over the L.A. Chargers. Tom Brady sacked a handful of times on Sunday, but watching the game, were you pleased with his footwork and escapability, plus the work of the offensive line, because Brady could have taken, it felt like, a lot more hits when you consider how good Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa are? Yeah, no question. That's you know Belichick called it a special pass rush. Um, those two had combined for, I think, 16 sacks coming in. Brady was sacked three times, hit a few times, but not as bad as it could be. And I think over the last three weeks, and Dante Scarnecchia, the legendary offensive line coach, talked about this today. He feels like they're trending in the right direction. He knows they have to be better. You know, Brady's still on pace to be sacked more than he's ever been sacked in his career. He's dealing with that shoulder injury at some point, so it's taken a toll. But especially considering Marcus Cannon left that game, 
uh, in the first half with an ankle injury and Ladrian Waddle had to come in. You know, I, I thought you didn't allow them to really kill Brady or really derail the passing game. It wasn't perfect. He was under a decent amount of pressure, but that's going to happen when you face defenses that are as good as that front with the guys that they can send at you. So, you know, listening to McDaniels and, and Josh McDaniels, the offense coordinator, and Dante Skarnecchia, the line coach, I do feel like they think they're going in the right direction, and they should. I mean, it's a veteran group. They've been together for a couple years. Other than Cannon, they've been relatively healthy. Um, you know, that's an area they need to be better because it doesn't get all that much easier. You come out of the bye, you got the Broncos with Vaughn Miller. Then you have the Raiders with Khalil Mack. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of Cameron Wake and, and the Dolphins front with Sue. So there's challenges on the horizon each week, it seems. So they hope they're right that they've sort of cleaned that area up. Why Brian Hoyer? Experience, you know, um, fit. You know, that right now I think the most important thing is getting a guy that can come in and be ready to play as soon as possible. And Hoyer's that guy. I mean, he's a guy that started 37 games in the NFL, three years with the Patriots, so he has an understanding of the system, but also time with Billy O'Brien in Houston, which is, you know, the Patriots' system to some degree. Um, and right now, you know, I know a lot of New England fans, and there were stories, oh, you know, they're going to go sign Kaepernick. The, Robert Kraft's going to do the NFL a favor and, and sign Kaepernick. I just don't think that makes sense. I mean, Kaepernick, I don't think, is a fit in the offense they run, has no experience with McDaniels or Belichick or this system. So even if you believe Kaepernick's a better player, and I can listen to arguments that say that, certainly, I think Brian Hoyer is what he is at this point. He's a journeyman backup. But that's what they need. And the reality is, if Tom Brady goes down, whether it's Kaepernick or Brian Hoyer, you're not winning. You're not winning the Super Bowl. So they needed a guy they were comfortable with, a guy that would fit right away, and that's what Hoyer was. Andy Hart, Patriots.com Radio is our guest. Check out all of their great audio content on the Patriots team channel here on TuneIn. Andy, we know the Patriots have more depth overall this year at the wide receiver position, but factor in losing Julian Edelman in the preseason. What does Chris Hogan's shoulder injury mean moving forward? Yeah, that's not ideal. He has been big for them. Um, you know, we talked about it coming out of the summer that he might be ready for a nice jump. He's already got a career high in touchdowns, but he's just been catching big plays. You know, not just big plays down the field in terms of yards, but I mean, you know, it's third and 12. All of a sudden, it's Hogan for 16 to move the chains. You know, that reliability and trust factor. And certainly sounds like there's the potential, even coming out of the bye, that he could miss a little time here for a couple of weeks. And you're right, with Edelman already gone, this offense hasn't exactly hit its stride, which is weird to say because, you know, they are the number one offense in football based on yards and the number one passing attack and all that. Um, it hasn't been perfect with Brandon Cooks. He's been good, not great. Um, they've had to really rely on the passing backs. James White leads the team in, in reception. But, you know, even with that against San Diego, I think it was half the, you know, 160 yards went to the passing backs, but you didn't score a ton of points in that game. Um, so I certainly think... They need Chris Hogan over the long run if they're going to be as good an offense as they can be. But they do have enough weapons with Cooks, Rob Gronkowski, and James White. I mean, that's a trio of weapons that I think any team would be happy to have. So they have enough to get by, but they need Hogan, you know, when it, when the rubber meets the road later in the year. Andy, we're looking within the AFC North, excuse me, AFC South it is, excuse me, uh, AFC North. This football team has has found a way to – I guess you could say just overtake that division. You know, they find ways to beat the Jets regardless of how close those games are. They find ways to beat the Buffalo Bills regardless of how close those games are. Miami Dolphins as well. But this Buffalo Bills team is playing some of the best football in the National Football League, particularly on the defensive side of the football when it comes to takeaways. Do you think this New England Patriots team is gearing themselves up to have that battle against a team that's steadily getting better that end up picking up um, ben, what is it, uh, Calvin Benjamin from the Carolina Panthers? Yeah, I think they, um, they have some respect for what the Bills are doing this year. And I don't know how you couldn't. You know, they're, what is it, a half game back right now. You could be tied coming out of the bye with the Bills if they take care of business. Um, they went out and were aggressive at the trade deadline, made some moves. Um, and I think they're just playing solid football. Um, they need more offensively, and I think that's why you saw them go get Kelvin Benjamin. But, you know, if they're going to win the turnover battle, you know, Belichick respects that as much as anyone. And they've, even though the Patriots have sort of dominated, quote-unquote, the Bills, 
They've been in a lot of dog fights with them and just pulled it out at the end. Well, you know, if things are closer and they're a little bit better and you're a little bit banged up, you know, you, you could be in another dog fight that you lose this time. Um, so, yeah, I think there is some healthy respect for what the Bills are doing. Now, we've seen other teams in the AFC East do this early in a year where a team, you know, starts out with five or six wins and, okay, they're going to challenge the Patriots, and then it just all kind of comes falling down in the second half of the season. So, you know, that's the, the greatness of the Patriots is their consistency and their ability every year to improve as the year goes on. They're going to do that coming out of the bye. I'd be stunned if they didn't because they've done it virtually every year. Can the Bills do the same thing and build off of what they've put in the bank here sort of early in the season, put themselves in position to compete? Now they have to make good on that later in the year. But I certainly think the Patriots understand they need to play cleaner. Brady's been lucky with some throws. He's only got a couple picks, but he's had a couple that have been overturned by penalties and you know guys stepping out of bounds and various things here. Um, you know They need to clean it up and play more consistent football. They're, they're focused on the red zone more than anything else offensively their inability to, to capitalize on drives in the red zone. That's why you've seen the scoring down. And if you get, keep the scoring down, well, you're playing into the Bills' hands, and, and you're right. The way they play defensively, you might regret it later. So, yeah, I think there's respect, but I still think there's the belief that the Bills need to prove they can do it over the long haul. Andy, as always, we appreciate the information. As we say goodbye, coming off Halloween, settle a dispute on this program. Did you wear a costume last night or not? Uh, I did not. I Thank went you. as a grumpy old man who doesn't really like Halloween, so I just went as myself. Perfect. Right answer, because you have a brain that works. <laughs> Thank you, Andy. But but my kids do enjoy it. So I oh, have your to kids do, because they're kids. You're an hours. adult. Adults don't wear costumes. Exactly. Thank Perfect. you, Andy. The, 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 you, you're following this, what he's saying, right? He's trying to basically say in so many words, it's okay that he didn't wear a costume, because everyone else around him at work is wearing a costume, is what he's saying. So you just want to see if someone oh. else followed the trend. So he's a turd in the punch bowl. There it is. Oh, there you go. My man. Thank you, Andy. I was going to say we can't let the inmates run the asylum here at Tuna, but we, we don't use that adage in 2017. Careful. Don't get in trouble. I said asylum. It's an idiom. It's a figure of speech. Thank you, Andy. We'll chat with you next week. See you, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. We'll have home calls as teams are threatening to score. Fake it to block. Brady tosses. Touchdown! Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Here's a touchdown. Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern, only on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, it's time for the Fantasy Fix with Michael Harmon from SwollenDome.com. Fantasy football has become a major reality for millions of fans. Makes him off to the 30. He's gone. He's gone. What a move. It takes skill to win your fantasy championship, separating the zeros. He goes to the near side, and it's picked up. From the fantasy heroes. Down the middle, it's caught over the shoulder in the end zone. Buckle up your chin strap for the fantasy fix. Like the Rolling Stones at Madison Square Garden held over for one more night. Michael Harmon, SwollenDome.com, back for a consecutive appearance on the program. And we are highly appreciative. Mike, as always, we value your insights. Let's start with Brock Osweiler. Clearly, rough matchup on the road Sunday in Philadelphia. Moving forward, does he have any fantasy value? Well, I think what we'll look for Osweiler in making the switch is that he'll actually try to push the ball downfield. We'll assume that in a week or two's time, you find Emmanuel Sanders back on the field. The stick of my scent, Benny Fowler Jr., will arrive, uh, and everybody will be ready to play uh, a little bit because, you know, he catches the ball and makes – Simeon's night look a little bit better. Still doesn't cover up some of the dismal uh, performance, but you know you look at that that effort, and, and we would have put some lipstick on the pig, as it were. Uh, but you, you look at Osweiler, you're hoping to get more of the the big plays that have been lacking in the passing game, and a guy that's on his next shot, the last shot. We don't we don't know how many lives you get, uh, but the idea being that he'll inject a little more into the downfield game. So eventually, in the two QB leagues, there's going to be a shot. You just got too much talent. Uh, at the wide receiver position for there not to be a game or two where it pops off. It's just a matter of picking the right one. 
The 49ers has been a team that's been really close with being successful across the board, but because of the lack of efficiency, it's it's really making some of the best players on this team not look so good. But are you finally completely off of Carlos Hyde at this point? Well, we, we put him in the second running back slot, and just based on volume or expected volume that he's going to get a go this week against Arizona, uh, a solid and not awe-inspiring matchup waiting for him, but certainly when when you look at what Arizona is overall, they're a middle-of-the-pack defense against fantasy running backs here, about 17 points per game. So there there leads to a little bit uh, of hope that you can find pay dirt here, but until you have the consistency and a threat at the quarterback position, uh, it all runs downhill from there, and Breda coming in certainly doesn't help things as, as a pass catcher, stealing a few all-important touches along the way. So We'll, we'll keep him as a mid-running back, number two, based on volume, uh, because otherwise you're going into some of these other committee situations that leave you even less hopeful. Mike, let me read you a quote from 49er head coach Kyle Shanahan today on Jimmy Garoppolo. Quote, I can't promise you that he will play this year. We talked Garoppolo yesterday. Factor in that statement when you're talking about Garoppolo's impact potentially for the rest of the year for fantasy owners. I'll slap the forehead and say, what? why why now? Uh, if you're not looking to make a move, I mean, obviously, to some degree, you're, you're looking ahead to the draft, and they are certainly rich with with draft picks going forward from the numerous moves they've made. So perhaps it's the we don't have enough on the offensive line. We don't have enough to make a push. It's it's the nice way of saying we're tanking without saying we're tanking. I think to a degree. So you know we'll we'll get him all the weapons and help that he needs this coming off season. Uh, and we're not going to rush him in with all our language, verbiage, etc. So perhaps for fantasy owners, still looking at the dynasty leagues, it's, it's a must-add. But I, I can't believe that they'd trade for him and not at least get him out for a couple of uh, auditions in the Shanahan offense. Because at some point you got to figure out what you got. I mean, because history hasn't exactly been kind in terms of the ceiling of the performance of former New England quarterbacks that – had their tutelage under Tom Brady. So to assume that you found your be-all to end-all in Garoppolo, uh, I don't know that you're necessarily there, and perhaps you want to at least kick the tires a bit. When you look at some teams throughout the National Football League, they have a tendency to look bad, then they look good, then they look bad, particularly like a team like the Baltimore Ravens. But at this point in the season, do you feel like you know what teams and players are, or do you think uh, there could still be a dramatic shift? We still see the shift week in, week out. And all it takes is one uh, referee snafu to, to change the fortunes of, of a drive and then change the flow of a game or a slip from a cornerback that all of a sudden things go downhill. I mean, you look at Baltimore suddenly with Alex Collins becomes a high-end number two running back and a guy they're going to be able to funnel the ball through and it looks like both as a runner and a receiver, so there's some help for him. You look at Philadelphia bringing in JGI. We talked about it yesterday. You know how much more balanced does that offer? And you've already seen Carson Wentz. Perhaps he takes one, one or two fewer hits per game. So the back end of his career, and even at the end of this year, looks a little bit better uh, as you go. Dallas with the will they or won't they be without? without Ezekiel Elliott for six weeks. Finally, he's starting to play some great football, maybe rounded into shape uh, as he got week in, week out you know, practice time. But are you looking at Alfred Morris or, or Darren McFadden? What does that do to Dak Prescott if they have to be the, the bell cows for six weeks? So uh, still, still a lot of questions, and that's what's beautiful about the, the National Football League is it's a week-to-week league, uh, and it keeps it as the best reality show. Mike, you mentioned Alex Collins of the Ravens. I know you were watching on Thursday night when we saw the video of him enjoying Irish dancing. Since I'm of Irish descent, Aaron Gobra, when's the last time you put on some clogs and got out there and cut up a rug? Well, last last summer, the family took a trip. Uh, My wife's originally from Sweden. So, so we did don some wooden shoes for a little festival thing in, in one of the towns where she grew up. But uh, other than that, you know, it, it's been a minute. Perhaps it's time to, to get Quadzilla back into the dance studio. <laughs> Mike does have large quads, Cordell, in addition to a big head, hence Swollen Dome. Swollen Dome. I love it. Um, 
There's a couple of defenses in the National Football League that are pretty stingy and pretty darn good. Uh, the Bills is one of them. Do you consider using it, uh, that team, every week, no matter the opponent? Uh, what about the Jaguars? Um, is there any team you would place in that category? Yeah, the Jaguars with that front seven, week in, week out, we're, we're going to look at, at what they're doing, rushing the passer. Obviously, two games make up the bulk uh, of their sacks, but you're also looking at Pittsburgh historically, uh, as in recent history, um, have been good in the points against column, which is really all that matters for real football, but in the fantasy world, they weren't generating a ton of sacks nor turnovers. This year, a bit different, so we see them uh, a bit more frequent. With Buffalo, there were some questions coming in into this matchup against the Raiders with a banged-up secondary that perhaps Derek Carr would be able to exploit it. Instead, they stepped up in grand fashion to solidify themselves as a, as a must-start. And even Houston, we saw the shootout this past weekend, uh, even with the injuries, suspensions, and everything else, they've still been able to rely on Jadevian Clowney and, and others to come up with big plays. So they're another one that week in, week out, we're looking to to at least steal us a few points along the way. Finally, Mike, you are based in Southern California. You saw Juju Smith-Schuster shot at USC. You remember him as Juju Smith before he added his stepfather's last name. Spectacular touchdown Sunday Night Football on the road to Detroit. Is he must-start now every week? Now we get him into the the third wide receiver contention. I, I don't know, must start yet, uh, but certainly the uptick in targets is encouraging because we've been seeing efficiency with him over his three to four a week, and now you double that, and suddenly, well, he can un, he can chain up the bicycle and whatever celebration he wants. Certainly, world class speed, and with all the attention afforded Bell and Brown, he's going to have his opportunities one on one. So going forward, certainly hits our, our third wide receiver and one of those great waiver wire gems that should be uh, help teams with a big push down the stretch and uh, pay dividends for Ben Roethlisberger, who to this point has been fairly disappointing for fantasy owners. Michael, great information as always. We appreciate your willingness to pinch it as we get set for Game 7 of the World Series, and you have my assurance we will not be calling you tomorrow. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I'll, I'll be ready, and I might go do some clog dancing just to a video accompaniment. Oh, I would love to see planned. that. I, I will pay for that shoot, Mike. I want you with clogs going viral. Make that happen, all right? That, I need to hear that sound when you're walking, too. I need to hear that with oh, those clogs. Oh, the clickety-clack, yeah. Oh, and, and man. People say, ah, oh, it's a horse. <laughs> and they'll be jumping on my swole shoulders looking for a ride down the street. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. See you, guys. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.